We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of The E-Commerce Leader. And today we are talking about what sounds like a macro or microeconomic principle, which is price elasticity or inelasticity, can't even say that. Is your pricing, are your prices elastic or inelastic? Uh, what it comes down to, though, is a very, very practical question, which is, do I need to raise my prices? Can I raise my prices? And if so, how do I do that? So we're in the middle of a discussion about that. Jason's already referenced in the previous episode two really important questions to ask yourself and all the things that go with those. If you haven't heard that episode yet, I really, really urge you, if you're a serious e-commerce seller or even semi-serious, whatever that means, if you're trying to make some portion of your living or value, create financial value in your life, you really got to think this stuff through because we are in difficult times, aren't we? Prices for raw materials from China and the consequent factory gates prices are going up several percentage points at least. And of course, freight has gone up crazy amounts in 2021. And I don't think either of those things are going away anytime soon. So we've got to grapple, grapple with this stuff, wrestle with this stuff rather. Two more questions out of uh, Jason's simple four-part framework coming up. Stay tuned, take notes, and of course, don't forget to subscribe so you get this good stuff delivered to your podcast player of choice every week. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. The third question is, do you want your customers to be made aware of the change in your prices or do you want it to be subtle? And that's a really important question to think through. Now, the answer is not obvious. Like, it's not a yes or no every time. It's fielder's choice in baseball terms. It's up to the business owner and the context in which they find themselves in. So, you know, obviously, the old uh, book by Elihu Goldrate, The Goal, asks these three questions. What to change, what to change to, and how to make the change. And so, this is really a question of how to make the change. And so, and, and, and let me give a, a couple examples here. So if you want to be sneaky about it and not have the customer's attention uh, raised to the price increases, then you can do things like change your quantity count or your package size to keep the prices the same, but the cost of goods lowered in essence. And I, you know, we all have examples. I think we could probably think about this. I noticed probably, I don't know now, it's been probably three, four, five years ago, all of the ice cream cartons that used to be a quart are no longer the same size as they used to be. And I get, I think they probably figured out, eh, Americans don't know what a quart is. <laughs> like, why don't we put a lot less in here? Uh, like, also, I have well, to say, yeah. American sizing is, is just so giant that you could probably get away with sending less and they wouldn't notice, I guess. I mean, the coffee, <laughs> the, the courts, the, you know, the everything, even yeah. more than in Britain. Yeah, it's like, so how many ounces go in the package? How many whatever pounds or whatever it is? So so if you want to be subtle about it, just change the, the packaging and the quantity amounts. In essence, you're cheapening your product, but keeping your price stable. That is a de facto price change in many ways. Okay, so the other thing that you can obviously do is you can simply phase out your lower priced items and migrate to 
a bundled version or a, a packaged version that requires a higher payment in exchange for more goods. And in that way, you go from having one unit for a dollar to you get three things, but you pay $4.99. Did you make a price change? Or maybe we're not sure. So it's less obvious if you do uh, tactics like that to uh, increase your prices. Yeah, Interesting. So I've got a few responses. First of all, I, I like the le level of depth you thought about this because I really think that we have to do the same. The first thing is the subtle change thing. And an example of that is you, you mentioned ice cream. The chocolate bar industry has been doing that in Britain for quite oh. a while, quite noticeably. Yeah could be smart but here's the thing that if the if the consumer feels that you're trying to sneak it past them in the world of social media yeah. even if you hadn't noticed somebody's going to draw your attention to it yeah. and then i think you have a quite a poor relationship with the consumer on amazon i would say it's actively risky in case you get just one or two one star reviews can really mm -hmm. really really hurt your conversion rate whereas i think bundling aligns with the sort of mentality of the consumer in a sort of pandemic times or inflation uh -huh. or brexit here we're going to have a triple kind of whammy in britain the consumers are going to be very geared to that you know that kind of default thing that everyone runs out and buys pasta and toilet rolls like mm -hmm. that's somehow the most rational response by the way my wife just i guess she won't be listening to this podcast ever, but does the same thing i have to say so mm -hmm. in that situation if i was with my wife coming i'd be saying oh we're going to have a 16 roll bundle instead of eight roll and she'd go mm -hmm. for it and that also makes sense for your economics mm -hmm. and it aligns with the consumer psychology. So I yeah. do think you've got to be aware of the risks and rewards of these strategies. Personally, I would yeah. be very wary about the shrinkflation thing as, as Jacob, one of our listeners. Nice phrase. Yeah. yeah, very good phrase. Thank you, Jacob. Jacob talking just to acknowledge there. But also I, I think bundling kind mm -hmm. of is a win-win. So I'd be yeah. more incl inclined to that. What, what are your thoughts on that? My thought is every business owner has to know their customer and customer mm -hmm. behavior and what will or won't trigger negative response. And negative response, to your point, can be less buying mm. on the customer side. It can also just be negative you know, pushback, the reviews that are you know, unkind to you, social media, you know, call outs or whatever. So you, you just have to know what's best. And, and price changes are a point of risk. You yeah. know, when you change prices or when you change product packaging, et cetera, et cetera, it is a point of risk that you're managing. So, so there you have it. Yeah. Just on that point, yeah. I would say that like any other risky venture that you should treat a price change on a, of any significant type, especially on an important product as a sort of pilot, just as you would a launch of a product where there's a risk that it doesn't work or that mm -hmm. it's too expensive and uh, change it, do a sort of pilot test really. And, yeah. uh, I think that's an important thing to say. Yeah, uh, it's, it is a, a key concept, the idea of piloting an idea. Now, here's the thing about it. Like if you're Walmart or Tesco in the UK and you've got whatever number of stores, a thousand stores or whatever they have, 40,000, I don't know. Hmm. You have the luxury of testing your pricing in one store or let's say, you know, five stores in a region and seeing what happens. We don't have that luxury <laughs> as obviously to us as uh, as e-commerce sellers as those types of brick and mortar retailers do we can do if we're an omni channel we can test pricing on our amazon account differently than our walmart account or differently than our ebay account or shopify and i think that's probably warranted if you're sophisticated enough to be an omni channel seller you're sophisticated enough to look at your price nuance by platform the only thing I would say there is that there's a known risk if you sell on Shopify right. and you sell on Amazon. Unfortunately, it's not as neat as that. If, if you sell elsewhere, then you could do it. But yeah, 
I guess it, for me, the simple version would be to test different product lines that are similar. I suppose. You're saying it's not as simple as that because Amazon has price sensitivity analytics and they'll trigger, you know, they'll tr- it'll trigger a TOS or whatever. It's not TOS, but you might lose the buy box, which actually right. hurts yeah. you yeah. almost as bad as having your listing suspended. So yeah, that, that is a risk, unfortunately. And yeah. I'm sure that Amazon will be even more on it in an inflationary environment than they would have been normally. But what I could say is that... Mm-hmm. I guess testing different product lines is the safe way to do it, you know, and maybe creating a new product line mm-hmm. that is extremely similar, but you can call a legitimately separate bottom line, something like that. I, I would okay. think that through, actually. You, you make a good point. It's not simple, is it, the, the testing piece? Well, it just proves that the actual customer in an Amazon business is Amazon, not the end user. <laughs> so oh, Amazon will get highly annoyed with you if you lower the prices on them compared to when it's on another site. And so that's interesting. We did have a client once who was in all kinds of turmoil because uh, of selling on Chewy versus Amazon. And no disrespect, but one of them, Chewy, was lowering the price and it would trigger Amazon's, you know, you know, response. And it was she was in this just uh, unpleasant situation and ultimately, selling on Chewy became so problematic on the yeah. pricing piece that she was not asking for price change. It was just their own practice that she couldn't do both. And yeah, uh, over time, sense. yeah, yeah. I think, so. yeah, to a large degree, as Amazon takes over the internet in terms of e-commerce, I mean, obviously, there's a big percentage of e-commerce that's not on Amazon. But you have to be yeah. real about the fact if you are on Amazon... Yeah. The deal with the devil has many parts and you need to be aware of exactly what you're doing. And, and you need to just, you know, get off Amazon or stay on it. And But mm-hmm. you need to make some value judgments around. Mm-hmm. Like if I sell an extra 10% on an eBay, but it risks my, you know, 90% of the sales that are on Amazon, mm-hmm. is it worth it? Probably mm-hmm. not, that kind of thing. Yeah. So. Okay. So we've talked about what to do if you want to have your price increase be subtle. The other thing to think through is what to do if you want the price increase to be completely open and candid, you know, just like a candid, real talk conversation with your customers. <laughs> now, here's the interesting part of it. I heard someone recently describe the idea of a reverse sale. Now, this is interesting. <laughs> a reverse sale works like this. You say to your customers, hey, everybody, starting whenever, pick a date in the future, this product is going up to X amount, this new amount. And you just say that discandidly, hey, we, you know, we just, whatever, make a reason or, you know, what will immediately happen is that the customers will instantly recognize the best price for them to purchase at is today's price. And so the idea of this being what they call reverse sale is you don't put your price on discount, your product on discount, you announce or telegraph a price increase and the effect is interestingly maybe as good or better than if you were discounting your price. So that's called a reverse sale. And there are many such ideas, you know, in terms of being candid or truthful. This is my general approach in life is just be honest with people. Just say exactly what the situation is. Hey, our cost of goods for these products went up by uh, 14%. And we can't pass all that on to you, but we're going to raise our prices by 10%. That type of copywriting would in some ways provoke a, oh, thank you so much. You you, you didn't have to take that 4% hit for us. You, you're not raising your prices 14, only 10% increase. Man, you guys are great. So, you know, you want to think through how to do it publicly. And it does come down to nuance and psychology and 
yeah. and copywriting, but it, but you can do it. And, and that's the important part. Yeah. It's interesting that they say price is a positioning tool, as in if you mm-hmm. price something expensively, people assume it's good quality. Mm-hmm. But also there are more, that quite a lot of pricing is a psychological thing, isn't it? I, mm-hmm. I certainly think that yeah. money and sudden changes in money related things that are not well telegraphed are very good at triggering anger responses, very mm-hmm. visceral responses. Yeah. It's a bit like if, if my, my wife gets this, if she's invoicing an admittedly extremely wealthy parent here in North London for, for teaching their kids and, and they don't pay on time. She gets very, very angry. And I think consumers can have a visceral response like that as well. So I think you're very wise to, to handle it in a very nuanced and a very open and and respectful way. I think you're absolutely yeah. right with that. I think it's it's got to be done. And again, it's an opportunity, as you said, in bad times, good businesses get better and bad businesses fall to the wayside. And mm-hmm. this is one of the opportunities, if you have a strong relationship to your customers, to strengthen it by being transparent to an appropriate degree and and unfortunately all the things you say are wonderful and like if you're on amazon you have zero opportunity to do any of these things which means again win one for a direct-to-consumer relationship we we in these hard times if you're 100 percent focused on the customer relationship being only via amazon i think you really really need to start working on off amazon customer connection even if you don't Mm -hmm. sell to them off amazon that you have Mm -hmm. email lists facebook facebook Mm -hmm. groups whatever you can get to to get that direct connection. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, the, the other thing that you can do to, to your point, I think in the notes is, you, you know, one of the things you can just do is be really candid with people about the products you can no longer sell. And, you know, you could yeah. be in a situation where you're holding product and you have a good amount of inventory, but you know that the costs for replacing it have just made it not profitable. Mm-hmm. Well, in that scenario, you've got a huge opportunity to say to your customers, hey, we're no longer going to be able to sell this product. These prices uh, that you know, exist are, you know, what they're going to be, and and we won't be selling it in the future. That's also a scarcity copywriting strategy. So yeah. you want to think through these things. You know, reciprocity, commitment, consistency, social proof, authority, liking, and scarcity. Those are Cialdini's triggers. Yeah. Uh, from the book Influence. And you want to yeah. think through those things when you're working on this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This makes a lot of sense. Again, I'm very jealous because unfortunately, when it comes to end of line product pricing yeah. on Amazon, there are two options. One is that people who are desperate for the cash because they're going to run out of cash. Otherwise, mm-hmm. will sell through their products very quickly and lower their prices. And the other option is that you just raise your price. And I was just talking about this to quite a sophisticated seller who's probably winding up his business for various reasons. And I said, look, you could go for a business sale at 2.5 times usual EBITDA, i.e. profit, Mm -hmm. or you could just raise your prices such that you run out of inventory just after the end of Christmas, sort of pre-Christmas sales in in this year. And it might be about the same amount of money. So, you know, raising your prices such that you don't run out of inventory, but you don't plan mm-hmm. to restock it is mm-hmm. another option. And again, in a more primitive dog eat dog, no communication nuance world of Amazon, that's another option that you mm-hmm. can look into. Absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. So the fourth question on our list here, this is the final one, which is what do you change your prices to? You know, what do you do? Specifically, what do you do? You got a product that's selling for $15. Your costs just went up you know, 20%, what do you do? And so there are some things that we absolutely know to be true about prices. And I I reference this book in almost every podcast we do, it seems like. But this book is a goldmine of information and it is priceless, The Myth of Fair Value and How to Take Advantage of It by William Poundstone. And if you do not have this book, You've got to get it. You've got to read it. If you're struggling with prices, this is the go-to resource to think through these things. And 
it's just a fantastic book to to think about. And so I'll just cherry pick a few ideas and, and thoughts here from that book and, and express them here. And they re- directly relate to what exactly to do. The first thing is, it's very clear by studies and a, a lot of research that consumers' minds are attuned to a percentage of change, like relative change, more than they are a specific dollar or cents amount. So they have they they feel price changes at sort of an intuitive level more than they remember, oh, this used to be three dollars and eighty-two cents. Now it's four dollars and ten cents. They don't remember that. All they remember is this has gone up. And and they'll and that that trigger in their mind is more about just the size of the change than it is a specific amount. So all things being equal, you might be wiser. This is the takeaway. You might be wiser incrementally increasing your prices systematically, regularly by 2% or 5% than waiting so long to ever fiddle with your prices that you've got to change them by 40% or, you know, like you got to double your prices when over time you could have increased by 5%. And honestly, the consumer mind would not have been triggered by such behavior. So that's the first idea from Poundstone. Any thoughts on that one, Michael? You want me to keep going on the list here? No, I think it's super smart. And I think actually that applies to anyone. Again, just ordinary stuff like being a, a piano teacher. My wife always often says, oh, it's not enough money. I'm like, just just raise your prices a few percent each year. People don't really notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's super smart. And by the way, super smart, but easily overlooked. So I love mm-hmm. that. So let's, yeah. yeah, let's keep going. This is good. Yeah. Second idea from that book, Poundstone's book, is people are focused on loss aversion more than they're focused on frequently what they obtain. This is really interesting th- thing here. In other, in other words, they care more about losing something than about what they're getting. So takeaway marketing strategies work for this reason. The example that William Poundstone puts in his book is if you have an aunt who has given each of your siblings $1,000 as a wedding gift and your wedding is coming up, and your aunt gives you a $50 Visa gift card, you don't feel like you got a $50 Visa gift card. You feel like you lost $950 somehow, like you got ripped off, stolen, unfairly treated. This is the uh, the focus of your mind is on what you didn't get from Aunt Susie or whoever, not on the $50 gift card. And so that's an example of loss aversion and how your mind works and understanding how this principle plays out in your consumer packaging and your bundles and in your pricing strategy is really super important. Hmm. Love that. Number three, charm prices absolutely work. And charm pricing is really interesting to understand. In fact, there are numerous studies. I think he listed like eight studies happened in a short time about charm pricing, and it demonstrated a 40% increase in sales, which is just incredible. But charm pricing, if you're not familiar with the phrase, is using numbers that indicate to people a sale or discount. And the most common charm price is 99 cents in the US. I I don't know what it is in, in the UK, but 97 cents is also a very, very common charm price. The idea being Rather than saying it's a $15 item, you would say it's a $14.97 item. And that simple three cent change makes a radical difference frequently in your sales if your product is got, if your demand is elastic, you know, if it's variable. Yeah. 
Yeah. One related thing to that is that there are certain price sort of barriers. This is all mm -hmm. psychological, but it's very real. So if you go above $15, then there's going to be a bit more resistance. Then obviously if something goes from $19.95 to $20 mm -hmm. or pounds. Yeah. And by the way, it, even if you're not changing currencies, uh, it still works. So it's quite irrational because mm -hmm. obviously a dollar is worth less than a pound, particularly at mm -hmm. the moment. But it's still true that in Britain, if you go from 20 pounds to 21 pounds, or if you're selling the same kind of item in America, $20, mm -hmm. that's a, a psychological barrier. And those sort of barriers or sort of price points of psychological significance vary between different markets as well. And again, mm -hmm. that's, that's where you can really test price in elasticity as well with those mm -hmm. numbers. Yeah. The fourth idea from the book is that the studies show people have just, over time, this has been proven to be true over and over through research and studies. And it's a simple idea, but people always want more or like more. And the example from one famous marketing study was the, the phrase was, don't wrap all the Christmas presents in one box. People always like the free bonus, the extra thing thrown in, the 20% uh, more for free. You know, those types of phrases work in consumer packaging and marketing because the the mindset that people always have is more an info marketer, infomercial people have known this for years. You, you This basic idea is pile on more stuff, you know, for the same low price. They get an extra set. They get an extra whatever free gift on yeah. and on. And often it's a positioning decision as well, isn't it? Because you, you are, mm -hmm. if you're wise, you're always going to plan to give those things to the consumer in exchange for mm -hmm. a certain amount of money. But you, the way you position it is, this is the core thing and then the rest is a bonus as opposed to this is a bundle and this is how much mm -hmm. it costs. And I guess that it kind of feels, it's one of those weird things that kind of everyone must have seen it literally tens of thousands of times in their life if they're an avid consumer, and yet mm -hmm. it still works. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, right. Exactly right. Uh, yeah. So things like free shipping, the, the, the Amazon Prime you know, product itself is a perfect example of this. Yeah. They just keep dumping on benefits. Yeah. It started with free shipping, but now you get a whole TV show channel or whatever. Like, you know, yeah. you just keep getting more and more and more. And the the only summary takeaway from that is people appreciate that. Now, how does this relate to you and your situation? And this marketing paper that's sort of the famous one, which is don't wrap all the Christmas presents in one box, is what you want to think about. And here's just one little example. If you have a how-to booklet or, you know, like a setup guide or any kind of info product that you put in your packaging. And it could even be rather, you know, simple. You could always elevate the wording and, and framing of that to be, you know, f yeah, an item, of a feature that you're including. Anything that you're putting in your product should be called out as a special thing. So it's not just a you know, $20 widget with, you know, you know, owner's manual included. It's a $20 widget, free gift included, you know, owner's guide. That type of packaging and presentation does directly relate to Amazon. It mm. does impact whether, you know, private label seller at least. It does impact your ability to position things. And so, in general, you want to think through whether you're going to change your prices or deconstruct your features and listing a little bit. Can you make a perception of more uh, yeah. in your product?
Yeah. I like this a lot. And I guess, you know, by the way, I'm Amazon Prime consumer myself. I, I watch a lot of Amazon's programs and it's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. They create an entire mm-hmm. studio that's spending very serious money on films. Mm-hmm. And it is 100% geared to keeping me yeah. a prime consumer and buying products on Amazon. It's extraordinary how much money they've thrown at it. But I guess we can do a sort of version of that ourselves. And I, I really like mm-hmm. that thinking. And lots of psychological subtleties here. I guess yeah. I would say that in the Amazon situation to kind of come back to rather a situation where we have a lot less control yeah. and and less option to implement the things you're talking about in, in some ways. Well, I mean, first of all, as I've said and say again, it's, it's really great reasons to develop relationships with your consumers off Amazon, even if you mm-hmm. don't sell off Amazon. But the other thing is, I think in the end, a lot of it's going to come down to the competition, which we haven't talked very much about because I mm-hmm. guess it's slightly more depressing because it's out of our control. But I guess we need to think through this thing of if they move first, what happens to your market share? Mm. And if you move first, I would suggest this incremental changes to the point of, of the risk and lowering the risk. I guess that the the way to one way to do it is to just change things slow, uh, a bit at a time and then review what happens. Mm-hmm. And you've got to keep an eye on the marketing side. So so your your market share, otherwise known as your ranking on Amazon, I guess, if you're obsessed with the Amazon way of looking at things and the conversion rates, of course. And then what that does to your internal financials profit, which hopefully will be up if the price is up, mm-hmm. but your stock turn, your cash conversion cycle, and thus the capital working capital requirements. There's quite a lot of heavy lifting mm-hmm. to do financially there. But I really think two things. First of all, it's so dangerous to be led by what the market the marketing metrics say they need to be subordinate to your financial metrics. If you're not making money or if you're going to go broke, mm-hmm. uh, your profit or your cash flow is broken, it doesn't matter all about the rest of this stuff. And that's a, as we've said, but I'll say again, because Amazon pushes you in that direction, you've got to resist that. And the second thing is you've got to think medium term. I think this is going to be a problem for at least the rest of 2021 at the very least. So if your consumers, your your opposition hasn't started raising prices yet, yes, they may be gaining market share or keeping market share, but they're losing financially. That's not sustainable yeah. right. uh, for many people. And then yeah. you need to think about the, the next six months as an arc rather than just the immediate you know, next couple of weeks. Absolutely right. Yeah. I totally agree. A couple of comments, just to circle back to the Amazon Prime example mm. for a moment. For some reason, I was on YouTube and I saw a presentation where Jeff Bezos was interviewed. I think it was on Recode and it was from 2016. And they said to him, why are you doing Amazon Prime video? Like, you know, the whole TV show, you know, streaming over the top video experience. And he said, well, because what we found is that people who consume that video content, buy more product on Amazon. <laughs> and it was just that simple. I was just like, why are you doing it? Because those people who, you know, use Amazon Prime for their video viewing, buy more goods. And so, you know, the, this is just not rocket science in that regard. They know that it's a value add to their business. And it's just kind of interesting. Yeah. At the end of the interview, he also gave a prophecy about where he'd be at and what he'd be doing in five years. And it was actually kind of sad since he's not the CEO of Amazon anymore. Andy Jaffe is. But it was sort of interesting, you know, kind of his commentary at the end of that. But but his information about just why the, you know, Amazon Prime video stuff was important, was interesting. Now, I just want to say a, a couple concluding thoughts here. And that's that, you know, the, the takeaway in my mind is that uh, a good business has pricing power. And if you mm-hmm. find that you have pricing power, you are in a good business. It is an, it is an indicator of strength. And whether you've used your pricing uh, power in the past or not is just a different issue. But as you go through the trouble of trying to figure out how to 
level up your prices. If you can, if you discover that you can do this, that you you should be reassured that you know this is a, an indication that you're in a good business with a good product line with a good customer community, and I just really, really encourage everybody to to as the greatest degree as possible, be proactive in your thinking. Be you know framing it around business success rather than doing desperation moves or emotionally triggered knee jerk reactions. Those are the points at which you will make serious mistakes. And I just I challenge everybody to, to wrap your head around this when you're not tied in knots over it emotionally, when you're not under stress, to think through positively how do these four questions apply to my business and what can I do in terms of pricing management. I love that. That's such a, a wise, wise few thoughts, and particularly the thing about thinking things through before you absolutely have to, or if you're in an emotionally triggered state and angry, which a lot of Amazon sellers mm-hmm. are a lot of the time, yeah. in my experience, <laughs> just step away from the desk, go for a walk, or just get away from, from your business for the weekend. It's good, beautiful weather here. I guess it is in a lot of places. And enjoy that and then come back fresh. You're yeah. so right. So look, talking of which, these four questions, really excellent ones to think through with your team, with a coach, if you have one. Can you just summarize those uh, those four points again? I think really excellent ones. Yeah, absolutely. The first question is, is your demand elastic or inelastic? In other words, will it be radically influenced if you change your prices or not? So thinking through that is the first question. The second question is, do you need to raise your prices to survive? And uh, thinking through that reality, sort of the justification question for price change. The third question is, do you want your customers to be made aware of the change or do you want it to be more subtle? And that will indicate then how you do the public facing changes. And then the fourth question is, what do you change your prices to? And how do you wrap your head around what's appropriate in terms of price change and thinking through the details of that? So those four questions hopefully are designed to guide you in this process and help you think through how to manage this turbulent time in our economy. As ever, man, there's lots of really great wisdom there. I mean, I think what's nice is they're kind of sophisticated in terms of understanding the psychology around this particularly that's the piece that i'm taking away the most i guess in the amazon world you tend to be very reactive to competition and i guess the two things i'm taking from what you're saying are thinking about the psychology of your consumers and then communication and then being proactive not reactive so Mm -hmm. this is great stuff so obviously look you've gone through a lot of this sophisticated but but feet on the ground thinking with your coaching clients so if people want Mm -hmm. to work with you and kyle on this and particularly in these turbulent times where where do people go to check that out we ought to let people know sure winning on shopify.com is the best place to check out our uh, coaching application process we it's by application and so it's not always a good fit for everyone and nor are we you know good on both sides you know we we have a 30-minute conversation with people to determine whether they're a good fit for the program and whether we're good coaches for them and so yeah that's always an opportunity happy to have people reach out and we explain all the details of the program that kind of thing yeah Excellent. And for anyone who wanted to consider joining the mastermind in the UK or check that out, um, if you're a UK or Europe based seller, then that's www.theamazonmastermind.com. Amazingly, Amazon hasn't forced me to take it down yet. I'm, I'm just going with it. It's a redirect. It's not my entire <laughs> site built on that. But but again, it, it's useful to have uh, both, isn't it? The mastermind and the coach to kind of reflect on stuff like this. I think the last thing you should do to your point is be reactive about this. I, I really love that point that you've made because it's so easy to do that. And I think if you're feeling emotional and you're an Amazon seller, you probably mm-hmm. are and you take action, that's the last thing you should be doing. So yeah, it's critical to have somebody else to bounce these ideas off, I think, now more than ever. Absolutely. So, right. uh, yeah. 
Well, look, brilliant wisdom, and I, I really like this. There's a lot of good good things to think through. So, being an honour as ever, thank you for, for sharing that. That's great. Thanks, man. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England, and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.